Hi, I'm Alex Barker, and you're listening to Chasing Dreams with Amy J. Welcome to Chasing Dreams Podcast with Amy J. Amy believes that realizing a life without regrets is achieved by taking chances, chasing your dreams, making moves, and overcoming your doubts. The Chasing Dreams Podcast will help you overcome life's obstacles, believe in your potential, and inspire you to face your fears. And now here's the woman who is passionately pursuing her dreams, Amy J. Hey, Dream Chasers, this is Amy J, and thank you so much for tuning in to episode 170 of Chasing Dreams. Before we get too far, guys, here is a word from our sponsor. This episode is sponsored by our Patreon campaign supporters. Thanks to all of you for not just your monetary support, but for also believing in my mission to help inspire, empower, and equip people to chase their dreams. Your help makes it possible for me to continue that work. For more information on our Patreon campaign, and or if you'd like to donate a dollar a month to help keep the show going, you can learn more at amyj21.com slash Patreon. That's Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Thanks again. Today's guest is not a stranger to the show, although it has been a while since we've checked in. Alex Barker was one of my very first guests. He was on the show back in 2015 on episode 12. So you should go ahead and listen to that episode and the link will be in the show notes and then listen to this episode. And what we're going to do is we're going to see Alex and I talk about how far he's come, how the dream has changed, how the chase has changed in three years. And it's actually amazing to hear how things have changed for him and what amazing things he has going on now and what amazing things has happened to him in those three years. You know what? Let me not let me not keep teasing you. Check it out. Hey, Alex, welcome back to the show. Hey, Amy. Thanks for having me back. Uh, you were last on the show October 2015. That's a long time. It's that's a long time ago. Yeah, three years. Um just over. Just just over three years. And we actually caught up um this past summer. And you know, because you weren't able to come, I think, last year to Podcast Movement. Correct. So we had missed a year, but we'd been keeping in touch. And you've had some changes in this past year. But before, if you can remember, for those who may <laughs> not have listened to your first episode, which, guys, it was episode 12, and the link will be in the show notes. You can relive Alex's past. But for those who haven't listened <laughs> to that yet, three years ago, where were you? Uh, <laughs> three years. I'll be honest, I didn't re-listen, you know, to that podcast. It kind of, I think it would be interesting to do that. Back then, I, I think I had three, uh, probably three big side projects. Mm -hmm. Two of them are in my memory bank. One is not. At the time I was doing content creation, I had what I called like a media company. I was doing uh, content and, 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 selling things to websites. And I also was working on uh, coaching as well. Um, and it was a mishmash of different things. Um, it was 
very, very, very distracted work, probably to say the least. We're talking about 2015. Holy cow. Yeah, a lot has changed since then. And you did something fun, which was the 66-day experiment at the time. Oh, yeah. That was one of those things. <laughs> do you remember that? I do. You were, that you were was trying, a lot of fun. We were talking about how you were seeking rejection. Got it. Yep. Okay. Um, yeah, so the 66-day the experiment was kind of my my way to get back into podcasting again and do it in a way that was fun and, you know, kind of fed my need for variety. Um, there's a there's a study from the University of College of London, I believe, that showed that habits taken uh, around 66 days, not the, you know, historical three weeks or whatever they say now. Um, and so I, I said, okay, well, I'm going to try some crazy things for 66 days. And I read a book for 66 days. And I... For my second challenge, I did re seeking rejection daily, and I was working full time. And unfortunately, there was just there wasn't a really good way for me to do that consistently because you know it was October, and where I live in Michigan, it gets dark like at four thirty. Yes. Uh, so, <laughs> so it was very very difficult for me to fit in this time. So I believe I did it for about thirty days. And uh, learned a lot uh, about myself. Um, I don't know if I would do that again, but <laughs> it was a lot of fun for sure. Well, what I remember, and um, it was your takeaway actually from that episode, you had said there's no such thing as a failed experiment, only feedback. And I thought hmm. that's a great way to look at it. Sounds pretty smart from the young. <laughs> Sounds pretty good. It does sound good. But in those three years, do you find that that's still true? Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I suppose hindsight's twenty twenty. I don't think that any of my experiments were failures, but I definitely learned what I didn't like doing. And I also learned something pretty deep about myself probably about a year later uh, that would be derived from a lot of that work, like the 66-day experiment and all the other projects that I had going on. Should I share? Please. I don't know. Yeah. When you're chasing dreams, you, and especially if you're like me and you're like, man, I, I want to do my dream, but I have to pay the bills. And you, you know, have a certain amount of time throughout the week that you can put towards your dream. What I found happening for me was a lack of dedication to that dream. Um, I, don't, I don't think I felt that way at the time. Like in 2015, when I was talking with you, I don't think I felt that way. I felt on fire, like what I was doing, what, what I was you, meant you to be doing. Motivated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. But I could tell you that I, my focus towards my big dream was diverted in multiple paths. And in uh, the beginning of winter 2016. So roughly a year later, I distinctly remember this. I was in my mastermind group and it was my turn to be in the hot seat. And I remember telling everyone in the room, I feel like I should be much further than where I am. Mm. I, I almost feel uh, disappointed in myself as to where I am because I've been doing this side hustle stuff now for um, three years at the time. And I had a little bit to show for it. Um, my house was almost paid off. 
my my loans were getting killed and that's you know those were some of my goals but i like i felt like i was very far away from my ultimate dream which was doing this stuff full time and one of my 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 friends in the group said well what do you think is stopping you and that led me to realize um it's because i'm diverting all my attention to so many different things mm-hmm. instead of just one thing um in chasing my dream, I thought it prudent and wise to put my eggs in multiple baskets instead of in one thing, because what if one thing doesn't work out? And guess what? As soon as one of those uh, ideas didn't, I don't know, meet some result that I don't think I ever really was tracking, I gave up on the idea. I didn't really want to put much more effort into it. And so, you know, six months later after starting it, I would say, well, this didn't really work out and I would try something new. So I made a really, really tough decision January 2017. And I said to the group, I'm committing the next 18 months. And I'm going to make it so that if I can't quit my job in 18 months, I will, I'll stop this idea. I'll stop doing everything in this. And I will focus my attention on something else completely different. And it was really difficult. It, it, it meant I stopped doing I think like two businesses at the time that I was focusing on at the time, I know that I was really branding myself as like a side hustle coach, a, a you know, a niche business coach, which was totally fun. But, um, I felt like it was a distraction from other things that I was doing. And so that's when I launched, uh, the happy farm D, which is all about helping pharmacists create inspiring careers and lives. It was a very tough decision. Because I had so much going through my head, like, what if this fails? What if this is just 18 months of wasted time? But um, here I am today, roughly, I don't know, 20, 20 months. So I don't know. I can't do math very well, like, which makes me a bad pharmacist. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. Uh, yeah, go ahead. No, no, no. I was like, wait a minute. That math doesn't add up, but that's okay. Yeah, it's something like 22 months later. Um, you know, I quit my job. I'm working on my business full time. Things are going swell. I cannot complain about the future of of what my business is going to bring to me. And I'm extremely proud that I stuck to that decision um, because I don't think I would be here talking to you about it if if I didn't. And I'm so happy that we we kind of look back because it's interesting. You know, when we have guests like you on the show and you're chasing your dream, it's like you leave and everyone's like, oh, it worked out perfectly for them. They're probably still happy doing their thing. And so have you back and talk about, I, I learned some lessons since then. Learned some lessons even about what I was doing. And to hear you kind of narrowed the focus is a great lesson. Because I think for me, that's also a, a lesson I'm learning in 2018. Mm. Is to not do so much or not to do so much at the same time. Mm. That's like, I felt like I was spreading myself out. Mm-hmm. In trying to do the podcast and trying to do my day job and t- trying to do different classes I was taking because I thought that was the way to do it. And over the summer, uh, this enlightenment light bulb, and I had read books like The One Thing. Yeah, and I, yeah. And I was like, oh, I get it. You know, I it, it is. It's all the one thing for my dreams. And I'm like, no, that's not really how that works. Why do you think you weren't able to focus on one thing? What was stopping you? I think it's kind of like what you were talking about, actually. It's that 
if I tried multiple things, one thing would hit, mm. you know, and if I gave the effort to X, Y, and Z, well, one of them had to be a success, right? But I could never stop the podcast because that's something, this is not a pet project, but this is like my baby. I, I love doing this. <laughs> I love having these conversations mm-hmm. and whatnot. So I didn't want to give that up. I just also <laughs> didn't know how to expand upon it. So this just kept and keeps trucking the way it is. You know, what I learned was trying to narrow it to, all right, let's, let me not spread my, myself out because I also have an app company. I do other stuff. And so I was like, let me let that lie. There's, there's nothing keeping me that I have to keep doing a little bit of everything. Let mm-hmm. me let that do its thing. I'm going to kind of focus on myself, which is weird because I haven't really done that before. And so I think it was the month of August I took, and a lot of people pro- have been asking what, what happened in August. August is a month I took for reflection. And I took a course to kind of figure out because I too, I don't have an MBA. I have a JD. I, I, I love how this kind of turned on me <laughs> when we're talking about you, but it, it was a time where I kind of figured out for myself, I like helping people. And I wanted to figure out how to do that the best way, which led mm-hmm. to me focusing on the book that I'm working on this month that we're recording, which is uh, November NaNoWriMo National Novel Writing Month. And, yes. Mm-hmm. You know, I am having so much fun with that. It's not going to get done in this month, but, you know, I feel like for the first time I'm making steps towards something that has been in the works. And that's exciting for me. Was it hard for you to give up? Yeah. Oh, I still have uh, twitches where I'm like, well, maybe, maybe I'll just spend a little bit of time on, on, X. Oh yeah. You know, let me let me try to do Z. I still think I do too much um, for some things because I think they tie in together. But mm-hmm. I think I found a balance for myself mm. that I'm happy with, and I've also learned to let go of things I'm not good at. Like I have a I have a yeah. few people now who I outsource and are on my team that support me and and, and help me with the stuff I'm not good at because trying to do everything yourself is also self sabotaging almost. Totally. Otherwise, you're not going to make progress on the things that you're really good at. Yeah, absolutely. But for you, the thing I also want to talk about briefly for you also is you've had some milestones in these past three years where you're also mortgage free. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally debt free. Um, huge, huge deal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It feels good. Yeah, I remember when you, uh, I don't even know if it's you or somebody else had said it, um, that you were debt free on Facebook. I was like, that is amazing. Mm. So that's when we say debt free, keep in mind there are more than just credit card debt, right? There's mortgage, there's student loans, there's credit cards, there's a number of different types of debt that you can have. This guy, Alex Barker, is total zero percent debt free. <laughs> and that wasn't easy, right? Can you talk a little bit about how you guys got to that point? How your family made that something important to do? Yeah. Well, um, probably a couple of big steps. Uh, we took some classes on finances and we made a decision early on in, uh, when I was finishing up grad school to say, well, you know, I, I really like the idea of investing. Um, I still do, but I think to kind of live the lifestyle that we want, we wanted to be debt free as quickly as possible, all debt free. <clears throat> and so, 
we tried to, you know, I, I worked at a traditional government job at the Veteran Affairs, and we set out to say, okay, let's try to live off of just one paycheck per month. And let's use the other paycheck to just pay down debt. So it was huge to, you know, to consistently be paying off the debt. And I also negotiated at my job that they were going to help me pay off my student loans over a period of time, which was insanely helpful in this process because what that, because they agreed to pay it all off. And so that meant that, hey, really our, our consistent debt beyond this is to pay off our house. And so we focused on paying off our house within three years. Um, the vehicle that helped that was my day job for sure in our lifestyle, but also um, my businesses at the time. So this is, you know, this is the businesses that were, um, were all over the place. Mm-hmm. We officially, you know, paid off our debt or our house 2016, summer of 2016, I believe. And our multiple streams of income were were great, but like I was alluded to earlier, they weren't really focused. And so they were great, but long-term longevity of some of these business models wasn't really working. Like the media company business was a was a once-in-a-lifetime kind of thing. And so uh, that helped out insanely. And then beginning of this year, we we paid off the last little bit of my student loans as well. All said and done, like the total amount of debt that I paid off, so people have a frame of reference here, was about $200,000 worth um, uh, uh, of debt that we accrued over, you know, our college careers, the mortgage, a few other things that we had purchased, um, renovations, things like that. And so it's a combination of uh, disciplined living, <laughs> which wasn't always the funnest, uh, but also using um, business to kind of fund the lifestyle that we were going after. First of all, amazing accomplishment. Congratulations. But what I love is that it's possible. Your story shows that it's possible. But what I'm hearing is you have to be disciplined about it and you have to have a plan. Mm-hmm. Very much so. Was that a plan that you came up with yourself? Is that just, let's try this and see how, it, how it'll do? I mean, it was constant back and forth between my wife and I. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, I'm the saver. She's the spender. So sometimes it was battles um, of our wills and what we wanted. Usually we found some sort of compromise or common ground that we could agree on. Um, but, you know, it's actually interesting, Amy. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm cleaning. I'm in my office right now in my home and I just cleaned out my bookshelves, got rid of tons of books that I know I'll never read. And in them, I found uh, a one page piece of paper that was like from, I don't know, 2015 or 2014. And it was like our financial plan on how we were going to pay off our, our debt and our house. Wow. Uh, it was really cool to see because we were actually very close um, to the goal. We paid it off sooner than what we had anticipated, but it like had all the math behind, you know, how much we were going to pay off on a per year basis and like when we would actually be free. And I had on there like quit date and all this fun stuff. Right. So, you know, it was really rewarding um, to see that. And I would encourage anyone that, you know, if you have a big dream that you, you have those kind of milestones, there's something about looking at your past and seeing the dreams that you had then and being able to reflect on it and saying, wow, you know, there, so much has changed and look where we are today. It's very encouraging. 
there there is something about journaling that you know and hearing that that result because you don't really get it until you look back but you can't mm-hmm. look back unless you've actually done it so it's a bit of faith of trust me guys you'll appreciate this um which is one of the reasons i i post on social media but i think you take it to a next level by being personal and intimate with yourself by writing it out and not just and keep it for yourself i have a hard time with that amy i feel like whenever i write anything on social media there's a part of me that's like are you bragging because mm. because my ego is pretty big <laughs> Um, I have to be careful. So I, I generally don't share things like I like I probably could. I usually share nerdy stuff like I just started playing Dungeons and Dragons and I'll I'll share stuff that I feel like is making fun of me for my own good. But uh, I'm glad that you share your stuff. I always enjoy seeing your things. I appreciate it. Thank you. I mean, some of it has been uh good, but I've also gotten feedback that it's kind of helped others. Like, That's good. It, it reminds me that I can do it too, kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. But I do think that there are some things that should be kept for yourself and not necessarily social media. But it's it's a fine balance. Yeah, I suppose. Right, as as with most things. Now that you're you're debt free, you kind of figured out this one thing. How has your life changed? Oh, completely different. Um, the 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 sexiest thing that's changed about my life, mm-hmm. uh, which by the way I'm not very sexy, so uh, this is really good stuff. <laughs> is you know I'm I've I'm working for myself, and that has completely changed everything about my week. Um, the beauty of this is I'm able to spend time with my kids a whole lot more than I ever have been in the past. Um, I wake I wake up at a decent hour instead of because when I worked full time job I'd wake up like at five a.m. sometimes four forty five a.m. to hustle mm-hmm. on things for like two hours. I don't have to do that anymore. I have time for exercising and meditation and prayer, and I have time to walk my kids to school, and I have time to you know consider about what our next things are and what we want to do, and we're planning a sabbatical next summer. Um, it 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 almost feels too good, you know. I get uh, every usually once a week. I usually get like a creeping sense of fear that says, "Is this too good to be true? Like, how long is this going to last?" Mm-hmm. Kind of feeling. Um, my my colleagues who uh, made the same similar leap tell them the same thing. <laughs> they they feel the same way, and so um, life life is really great for someone who was a constant rebel in the workplace. Um, I feel like I can actually be me and not have to uh, hold back anymore, which is great. Let me ask you something about that. When you say hold back, what was holding you back? At work? Was it the fact um, that you had to go in? No, Well, that, to be sure, um, I've always been some something of a rebel. Um, my detention history from school would tell you that. Um <laughs> Like I easily outweighed all of my friends, you know, weight and detention. Um, and in college, that that idea of rebelling uh, never has gone away. I constantly was trying to go against the norm of what everyone else was doing in pharmacy school. And uh, unfortunately, that translated into my career. <laughs> um, I have when I, I remember talking with my colleagues 
like after graduation. Sure. I remember asking them saying something like, hey, did you guys ever have like difficult talks with your preceptors at all? Like did they ever like take you aside and <laughs> talk to you me? about like, yeah. Is, is it, it just, just me guys? And it was, it totally was. It was always me. And the constant feedback, the positive way of saying what they said was, you are too confident. Oh, really? Yeah. All the time. Um, practically everyone, that and like, you seem like you don't care. Um, so which is true. See. I'm not. I was going to say, that actually. one I could see. <laughs> Sorry. I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I do come across as um, kind of a jerk. No, I didn't uh, say that. Hold on. No. I, I didn't say that. Yeah. It's it well yeah I mean it's hard to read me um, I can come across as definitely not empathetic at all and um, I, I I like dig on everyone and so some people are really sensitive to that but um, man I at work at my job at the at, at, I constantly felt like I couldn't really say what was on my mind for consequences of just thinking freely right because what I would often say is the truth I thought of the situation and and many people did not like that. Mm. And so I often had to, you know, just be reserved and essentially be a quiet sheep um, was the way I thought of myself. And you know what? I dodged a whole lot more bullets that way, unfortunately. And I think that if I was to never get into business, I, I would probably climb, you know, the ladder, uh, and, and get into either like in, into leadership or academia or something like that. Um, it would have been difficult for me to be sure. But um, yeah, work was a, a constant struggle for me because I never felt, well, number one, I never felt like I was really working on the things that I loved and I enjoyed. Um, but I also, you know, felt trapped in the sense of I could never really say what was on my mind mm. for fear of consequences, political or being written up. Uh, I, and by the way, I've been written up so many times. <laughs> What's awesome is that you didn't let that stop you because you kept getting written up probably. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Um, I was actually just listening on Audible uh, to this thing called Hi Bob. It's like one of their specials mm -hmm. on Audible. Um, it's not like a book. It's like an interview series with Bob Newhart, one of America's greatest first real comedians. And uh, he had this conversation with Jimmy Kimmel. And they were talking about their first jobs. And it was just encouraging and funny to realize like Jimmy Kimmel, who probably everyone in America would once they found out about him, they'd go, oh, yeah, he's a real success. Like, he got fired from practically every radio disc jockey job that he had in his 20s and 30s within about a year, he said. So it was it was just a, kind of another sense of, okay, there's lots of other screw-ups out there that usually end up pretty well off. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there, there are a lot of examples of that, right? Oprah is one that... Oh, yeah. You know, she's a big one. Fired, went to Chicago, success there. But like, there are, there are a number of people. You don't realize it, right? You mm -hmm. don't often talk about the failures that got them where they are. No, I, I mean, I, I don't mind talking about them, but I'm sure glad that they're over. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, but and now it seems to have opened up the possibilities for what you will do in the future, which, what can we expect from you in the future? Oh, man, so much. Oh, yeah? 
Um, I too, like you, I'm working on a book. Um, I hope to have it launch in like February or March of next year. Nice. Probably not of interest to anyone, uh, in, in, you know, listening into this conversation because it's about how to create a fulfilling career in the world of pharmacy. Um, so if you're a pharmacist, Hey, check it out. But, uh, it's called indispensable. And, um, oh, I, I see what you did actually, there. Yeah. You like that? I, I do. I do. I'm, I'm a big fan of puns. Me too. Um, I'm not very good at like being quipped, but anyways, there's a book coming out. Um, we, just are about to launch a online summit as well for the Happy Farm D, and um, just keep doing all that kind of work. Really, uh, constantly, you know, showing people that there are other paths. Because in my profession, um, many people are miserable. Uh, the burnout rate is extremely high. People want to quit their jobs. Our suicide rate. Uh, I actually did independent research on my own with the CDC, and I found that our suicide rate as pharmacists is twice as likely to commit suicide when compared to the general public. Wait, seriously? Uh, we're also the, yep, yep. We, um, out of the 482 occupations that the CDC tracks for mortality, we have the 14th highest suicide rate. Um, wow. And so. I know lawyers um, are up there. Uh, I didn't they realize are. pharmacy. Yeah, I should have uh, looked at that list that I made because um, they are high. I don't remember the exact number, though. Um, I think dentists actually are the highest. Yes, um, that, it's a statistic um, that with my sister being a dentist, I am aware of. She She is mm, fine, guys. She's fine. That's good. <laughs> and as is my brother-in-law. But it's one that they have made us aware of. And, you know, burnout is also something. Uh, but I didn't had no idea. Is there a cause or correlation with pharmacy? Oh, totally. Yeah, stress. Well, I mean, it's a, it's multifactorial. We could probably have a whole sub-podcast about it. I'll keep it as short and as interesting as possible. Okay. So let me just explain to you, uh, the person listening. Next time you go into Walmart, Target, any superstore, or any small you know chain of pharmacies, uh, just go in there and see if the pharmacist is happy. If they look thrilled to be there, there may be a chance that they will be, but most likely you're going to see someone who's not smiling, who looks rushed, who looks like they don't have enough time to talk to you, and who is probably worried about 10 other things going on in the pharmacy. Um, it's not just in the community setting that the pharmacist feels this way. It's also in hospitals, larger healthcare organizations. Um, we, have a, we, have a, we have an epidemic that I'm trying to deal with essentially. Wow. That's, that's a crazy statistic and really sheds a light on the importance of what you're doing as well. Yeah. I carry a heavy burden with me. I feel like, um, cause a lot of my work is trying to get people out of their jobs and into something else. And I, I feel very often that I'm working with people who are just broken. Um, and I'm seeing them at their worst because, you like when everyone gets into college, they're usually really hopeful. You know, I'm going to be this and I'm going to enjoy it. And I'm going to love it. And I'm going to have fun doing it. And then they get into it and they quickly change. Mm. Um, it, it's it's very sad, but it's also really encouraging work because I get to work with people and basically kind of 
jumpstart their uh, hearts again to feel love for what they do and get them into things where they feel more satisfied, more fulfilled. So it's a lot of fun. Um, but at the same time, it does carry a heavy weight. Absolutely. I- I'm sure. But, you know, I, I appreciate because I do have pharmac- pharmacists in my family. So knowing mm. this, I like I had no idea. And now I'm like, oh, my God, is he OK? <laughs> now I'm like, because you don't think about it um, mm. and whatnot. So, you know what? Hey, now I'm even more appreciative of what you're doing. Well, thank you. Of that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Now, let me ask you. Been three mm. years. Your dream, dreams have changed for the better. You've kind of gotten to this place of contentment, but still striving. Looking back, you know, your your previous uh, action or r- advice to people was there is no rejected experiment. It's only feedback. What would you say today, now with all the lessons you've kind of accumulated, what is one piece of advice or action you would recommend a dream chaser take today? From everything I've learned over the last three years... I would tell you, if you have a dream, I would encourage you to pick a date on which you will decide either to continue pursuing this or you will give it up entirely. And the reason why I would say that is because um, it gets you serious to tell yourself that if you don't achieve a certain goal or accomplishment, that by a certain date, you don't have it done, you know that this probably isn't going to work out and I need to do something else. Um, I have a friend in my hometown who just started up um, a nonprofit in our area. But the only one of the uh, reasons why she would tell you that she got started was listening to that advice because I encouraged her. She had been thinking about this idea for the last three years and nothing had really come to fruition. And I told her, well, the reason why nothing's happened is because you don't have a deadline. Can I tell a quick story? Yeah, please. So there's a famous dead man named Everiste Galois. You can find him on Wikipedia. Everiste was a young guy and uh, a definitely a math nerd. Not someone who would be uh, on the top 10 list of anyone's list. And he got into a fight over a woman, I believe, with another man. And uh, the man challenged him to a duel. And so Everest goes back to his room in Paris, I believe, and he says to himself, holy crap, I'm probably going to die tomorrow. Um, I need to write out all of my ideas about algebra that I have been thinking about, but I've never really put it down on paper. So he goes to town. It's late at night, and he's writing in his journal all of these different things that have been coming to him, but he had never taken action on it. And so he's writing and writing and writing. And before he knows it, it is 6 a.m. He's got to go. So he goes to the duel. And just as he predicted, he dies in the duel. Wow. Sad ending for Everest. A young life probably ended too soon. Well, months later go by and his parents are going through his belongings. And they find this journal that he wrote the night before his death. And they have no idea what is going on here. It's like a parent found their son's uh, Pokemon card collection. They go, I don't know what this is, but it's probably not worth anything. But they give it to one of his close friends who was in the uh, College of Math and Science, I believe, in Paris. And he, they give him this, this journal. Mm-hmm. And his friend starts going through it. And 
he's turning one page and he's reading and he's starting to realize, holy cow, this is, this is brand new stuff. And he presents this journal to the board, I believe, over the college. And the theorems and the ideas that Everest had are actually now a part of foundational, I believe, theoretical algebra. I'm not sure what exactly what field, but the point is, is that he made a significant impact in an entire world of science simply because he had a dead line. There's another pun there. <laughs> I, I heard the fun. I heard. <laughs> <laughs> but the point is, is that he literally had a deadline to get something done. And I feel like so many dreams don't happen simply because we don't put constraints on ourselves and we use either our least or lowest energy to put towards our dream late at night and we wonder to ourselves, why am I not seeing progress on this? I would argue it's probably because you're not serious about it. So pick a goal, pick a deadline, and the rest will happen or, or it won't. You can at least say to yourself by the end of the day, the deadline, hey, I gave it everything I had and it didn't work out. Time to go try something new. I like that. Let me clarify why. Because I'm people are like, you're encouraging dropping a dream. No, that's not what he's saying. He's saying, give it your all and have a date to reevaluate. And it, and maybe that's not the dream. Because I, I think I think sometimes we we focus on things we think are the dream. And we're so focused because we've worked so hard and we've worked so long on something that we think we have, that's it. And maybe that's mm -hmm. not the case. Maybe it wasn't meant to be. That happens. I think if you set a date, that's great advice because then at least you check in with yourself and be honest with yourself. Yeah. It's scary. Um, I mean, it's really hard. I, I struggled with making that decision because it, it gave me the freedom, the wiggle room to not be serious. And I don't think I would have thought of myself at the time as not being serious, but my results totally showed that. Yeah. Um, the other most difficult decision I had to make in my journey was in October of 2017, after doing working on this dream for 10 months, when I said, I'm going to pretend as if I don't have a day job and just live off of my business. It'll cover all of my expenses day to day, and it will get us practicing as if we are living the dream now. And I did that. I did that since October. Um, and nothing has changed financially for us since then. It's actually been a year since I've been living off of my business. The extra income was just used for savings or paying off our final, my, my final college loan. But creating those serious agreements with yourself creates a motivation, a willpower that probably hadn't existed before. And I would encourage you to do that. Not just with yourself, but with your partner, with a close friend, with your mastermind group or a coach to push you like you probably haven't been pushed before. But guess what? No one gives a flip if your dream doesn't come true. No one cares. Only, only you should care. And if you care that much about it, then you need to be serious about it. So I would just encourage you, pick a dream, have someone hold you accountable so that it does come true and that people will care then. Bravo. I love it. I'm going I'm to leave it there because that, that was awesome. <laughs> Alex, thank you so much for coming back and just checking in with us on how things are going. And I'm stoked to hear how well it is going. Me too. 
It feels good. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, guys, that was my friend Alex Barker. Mind-blowing what has happened in the three years since we last talked to him, right? Well, you guys can learn more about Alex and find the links we've mentioned on the show notes page over at amyj21.com slash episode 170. That's episode 170. Until next time, Dream Chasers, keep chasing. Thank you so much for listening to Chasing Dreams. Amy would love to connect with you and hear all about your pursuit of chasing your dreams. Connect with her on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram via at Chasing Dreams HQ. Or you can find Amy on Twitter at AmyJ21. That's A-I-M-E-E-J-2-1. Be sure to visit headquarters over at ChasingDreamsHQ.com for more inspiration, motivation, and resources to help with your own dream chase. We hope you'll join Amy next week. And until then, keep chasing. Keep chasing.